Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. Hello and welcome to Parently. This week's episode is part two of my conversation with Maggie Rognes. Both episodes are great as a standalone listen. However, if you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to circle back to part one at some point to listen to Maggie's experience of hyperemesis. We'll pick up the conversation at Maggie's delivery, which she just shared was followed by a postpartum hemorrhage. You mentioned the hemorrhage. Let's talk about that a little bit. That was shortly after Lorelai was born, Mm -hmm. right? Like hours? Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, right after her birth. Her birth was actually really lovely. I had to be induced at 37 weeks um, because of my gestational diabetes. And I, with hyperemesis, was so sick. I had had a fever and I was just really weak. Like she just needed to get out of my body. And so we induced at 37 weeks, it was right after Christmas or not Christmas Thanksgiving. So we kind of celebrated Thanksgiving and then went into the hospital. And I was so excited to get this baby out. Honestly, I was just Mm. over it. I was like, I can't do this one more minute. I am so sick. And, um, so we, we go in and it's, you know, still the midst of the pandemic and they were understaffed and they wanted to send us home and her heart rate actually kind of dropped. And Jana's like, Nope, you're staying. We're having this baby tonight. And thankfully we did. Um, and so her, the labor and delivery was, I mean, kind of that picture, perfect labor and delivery, like did it unmedicated. And it was, I mean, I found it to be like a really powerful and healing experience after nine months of just like awfulness and Mm. she was here and that placenta came out and we looked at it and it looked gray and like death pretty much. And I was like, well, that's what's Mm. been making me so sick. Um, Wow. And she just narrowly avoided the NICU. They were, they were worried, you know, just with her blood sugars and her coming so early that she might need to go to the NICU. Um, and luckily she avoided it because the NICU was so full. They were life flighting people out to Missoula, which is a town about an hour and a half away. Oh my um, gosh. and so, you know, everything is great. My midwife goes home. Um, I order like my first meal is like the hyperemesis thing. Like, what are you going to eat as your first meal? Mine was like pasta from, um, Mackenzie river, this great pizza pasta place. And, my best friend, Emily, picked it up and dropped it off. And I'm like eating it with my hands. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm like FaceTiming my sister. I'm like, it was the best birth ever. And I can eat. <laughs> Everything is great. And then I get off the phone with her and I stand up and I'm like, whoa, something is not okay. And at this point, it's many hours after the delivery. It's late. You know, it's so the providers all have gone home and we're already in the recovery room. And I go to the bathroom and I'm like, Oh, something's really not well. And so I go back and lay in the bed and Braden's holding um, our daughter and I am kind of like fading in and out and I can't really talk, but I remember him talking about 
wanting to buy me a bidet for our toilet. Like how great this bidet is going to be. And he's like sitting in the corner with my daughter, like we really should buy this bidet, but it is like $600. Do you really want the bidet? And I feel like my body kind of floating up and thinking I cannot have my last words to my husband be about a bidet. How do I tell him that I think I'm dying? And I finally was just like, I'm not okay, Braden. Like you need to call Jana and like tell everybody to pray. And he's like, okay. And so he like runs and gets the nurse. The nurse comes in. She tries to kind of see what's going on. And she realizes pretty quickly that there's something not okay. Right. So she calls Jana and Jana comes in and I ended up having a 1200 milliliter blood clot that had just formed somehow. And they had to pull out the whole clot, um, completely unmedicated. And at this point I'm screaming like bloody murder, like just take out my, excuse my language, effing uterus. Like just, I'm just not okay. And Braden's out there and there's, it was just, it was really intense. Right. And so, um, they finally get, um, a doc in. They, the ORs are all full because again, it's COVID and it's just a nightmare pretty much. Um, yeah. So they get the blood cut out. I stopped bleeding. My um, Jana looks at me and goes, do you just want to be knocked the F out? And I was like, yes, please. I don't know what happened, but that was terrifying and horrible, like a thousand times worse than birth. Um, and yeah, I just fell asleep. I remember waking up about four or five hours later, looking at my husband and saying, like, that was really scary, wasn't it? And he's like, yeah, you almost died. And um, my midwife came back in that morning and I was like, that felt so scary. Was, was I like, what happened? And she's like, well, if you were in a rural hospital or anywhere else, you likely could have died. It was a huge blood clot, but we got it out and you're going to survive. Um, and so I ended up getting a blood transfusion, which is one of the most powerful experiences of my whole life, seeing this like really dark red blood that someone's donated flowing into your veins, you know, kind of bringing you back to life. Mm. Um and I ended up going home and having to be on another month of bed rest. So after nine months of hyperemesis with the hemorrhage, you know, I was put on bed rest for another full month. And, you know, I think that's a trauma. Well, I know that is a trauma, right? That is mm-hmm. that I'm still working through of like, I don't know, like, man, like, I don't know, like, there's so much to that, like. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Like, first off, we just kind of breezed over the fact that you had an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, had you have you ever experienced anything no. like that before? Mm-mm. And I just I remember seeing Jesus in the corner saying, "I love you, and I love women, and I have created this medical team, and they will save your life." You are giving me goosebumps. And the most beautiful thing about it was every person that came into the room was this amazing, badass woman. Like the the ER doc that ended up having to come in, she was um, have, happened to be on call that night and she was all business, right? She just was like, we, like, I remember her grabbing my face and being like, I will save your life, but this will be horrible. And like, just, oh, it was just so powerful. And then there were like two nurses in there and they were giving me, I don't know what it was, but probably like blood clotting something, right? Like they were 
one was like trying to get an IV in me and one was like shooting me with something. I don't know what was happening, but I remember just like staring at my friend, Jana, right. And she's like looking at me and she's like, we will save you. We will save you. You will be okay, but this is going to suck. And I was like, okay, just save me. Um, but yeah, I was, oh man, I don't, it's like tough to even talk about, right. To go back to that place. Mm-hmm. Mm. and just like wanting to live so bad like I remember just that like I don't know how else to explain it but like that like need like the hunger to live I was like I must live like I need to be able to see my daughter grow up and I need to be able to go home to my like baby boys right like I need to go see my kids Mm. I want to ski Mm -hmm. with them and I want to do all these things with them I will not die here and just like Mm. clinging to that like I will not die this is not going to kill me was your husband in the room the whole time? So they like, they ushered him out and he, you know, he's holding Lorelai and he's, he remembers, like, I just remember them like carrying out blood and like him, like kind of going through that whole process of like, right. If she dies, we have life insurance. What, but how am I going to raise three kids? And I can't lose my person and they have to save her. And so he just remembers it just like, you know, pacing and completely unable to do anything. Right. Um, mm. And just. I don't know, kind of having to trust that the medical team that was in place would save me. And they did. That's a crazy, crazy experience. (laughs) After what makes it exceptionally crazy is having that, like the cherry on top of the nine months that you had just endured. I know. It's like overtime, right? Like, yeah, you really wanted all these babies. So I gave you three, but now you have hyperemesis, gestational diabetes. Oh, and then by the way, a postpartum hemorrhage in a pandemic. Wow. So <laughs> I know you said that you yelled like, just take my uterus. But they don't actually do that when you have a hemorrhage, right? Like they just took out the blood clot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just this massive blood clot. And so they took it out um, and gave me whatever meds they give, right. To kind of get your uterus to go back down. So it stopped, you know, so stops bleeding, Mm -hmm. I guess, and watched me really closely. And you, you know, they kind of check where you're at in terms of how much blood you lost. And, um, and I was really dizzy and weak. It was really hard for me to stand up or, um, sit up even without just feeling like I was going to fall over, I guess. So, um, the blood, transfusion was really helpful for that. Uh, I mean, I know, I know hemorrhages can happen just super randomly. Was it attributed to the difficult journey you had had or was it just another random awful thing? It was just random. All of it. I've looked this up actually, like the odds of it all, right? Like hyperemesis is 1%. Gestational diabetes is seven and like a postpartum hemorrhage is 1%. And none of them are linked. It's like just really bad luck, but mixed with this beautiful baby girl that I got. So, Mm -hmm. and this new sense of just being thankful to be alive and thankful to Mm -hmm. modern medicine and being born in the time I was born. I mean, all of these things would have killed me, you know, hundreds of hundred years ago, probably. And yet, here I am, healthy. Or in a different country today. Or in a different country, being maybe in a rural Montana hospital or, you know, pandemic, maybe I was stuck at home giving birth. Who knows all of the different mm. avenues you could go down, except here I am alive 
like babies are healthy and I am healing. And for me, it's like this huge push now to like, I want, I mean, I've always been the type of person that's wanted to make a difference, but it feels like even more so like, I just am happy to wake up in the morning, right? Like, what can I do today? Mm -hmm. What can Mm -hmm. I do today? Because this day is such a gift. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. Mickey, were you always a spiritual or religious person? I was not. So I was raised in a Unitarian home and did not become a Christian till college. And then I actually went on a year long trip around the world called the world race, um, where I lived out of a backpack and slept in my tent and, uh, like had a sleeping pad and we lived in 11 countries in 11 months. So that was an amazing experience um, and really drew me close to Jesus, I guess. I mean, it's so hard right now, right, where we're kind of at as a country. And I think um, for me, it's just always been about Jesus, like Jesus' example of just loving others, loving the widow, loving the woman, loving the poor, the downtrodden. And um, so I don't know. It's just, I don't know. That's just, I guess, my my journey and just seeing people's different experiences and different stories. Um, yeah. This is impa- all of this has impacted you as a person and who you are as a parent and how you approach the day and all of those different things that you've talked about. Um, let's talk about you being a mom. Was it because you always wanted to be one? I didn't actually. You didn't? I did not. No. So I actually was never the girl that wanted to be a mom. I um, I also never been like a kid person, honestly. And that was something I really struggled with. I was like, why? I should love kids. Like, I know I want them someday, but I always connected more with like older people. And so for me, like I would rather sit with an Alzheimer's patient than I would with a newborn baby, if I'm being honest. And that's something as a woman, I've had to reconcile. Because as a woman, I think you have this idea that you love all babies and everybody's babies and all toddlers, right? Or you're 
somehow mm-hmm. less of a woman. And that's just never really been me. When I um, married Braddon, I um, I don't know. I just I had this vision of not having four babies, but having four like adult children around the table, laughing and talking, and like seeing these people that we raised be out in the world doing cool things. And mm, I always really wanted to adopt, actually. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it is interesting, right? Because then I think I got married and you hit that stage, like your late twenties, early thirties. And you're like, I need to have children and I need to have them now. Like your biological clock is mm-hmm. suddenly like, hello, let's do this. TikTok, TikTok. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so how do you now enjoy being a mom or do you mm-hmm. not enjoy oh, it? I love it. But what I find is I like it the older they get. And so like toddlers don't scare me. Like I love my toddlers. I love all of their like toddleriness, right? Like my two-year-old just like <laughs> threw a tantrum because I actually don't know why, but he just, you know, was like throwing something and had a big tantrum because I told him he, that color wasn't green, even though it was green or just silliness, oh, but man, I love you're it. The worst. I just love it. Yeah. And I love seeing their little personalities. And I think for me, it's taking them with me on my adventures. So um, like we, before COVID, we used to go to the nursing home and just hang out with old people and they loved it. And that's something I'm passionate about. Um, And like they, I ride horses. And so both of my boys, you know, we were at a horse competition last Sunday and I love to camp and hike and my kids hike with me, they ski, they snowboard. And so for me, it's like still being who I am. I'm a woman who loves to ride. I love my job. Like I ride ride horses, right? Um, I love to camp and we just do it. We're like, let's take our kids camping. And so there was one summer, well, last summer we camped every weekend with toddlers and I was pregnant. And I just, I don't know. I feel like being a mom doesn't have to take away from who you are. And I think your kids can come along for the ride. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's really important because I think a lot of women do tend to get swallowed up in their children's lives. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm just I'm a part of a, a a couple of moms groups, you know, online kind of stuff. And there was a woman who was just posted, and she was like, "I, I know this sounds stupid, but she's like, how do I get a hobby? She's like, I don't." I've been raising kids for the last 20 years. She's like, I don't know what I like. I don't know who I am. She's like, I don't even know where to start. Like, what am I going to do? And that was just, it was so sad to me um, because I can see how easily it happens. They just take so much energy and um, yeah, I, I can see how it's so easy to get lost in that. So I think that's cool that that's a priority for And I you. think society will tell you that your the most important thing is to be a mom, to raise kids. I had a woman actually tell me that I was selfish for continuing to ride horses because my priority should be my kids. I was like, well, I want my- Excuse <laughs> I know, I know. But I was like, actually, no, like I'm a better mom because I choose to get up at 7 a.m. and I go ride my horse for an hour, right? That just makes me a better mom. I want my kids to do those things too, right? I want them to live a full life and I want them to see their mom do the same. And so, yeah, I think it's important. I mean, 
what and your hobbies can be anything, right? Like I just recently picked up my violin again and started playing the violin. Like this is really fun. Mm. I haven't done this in a long time, but I think and you also have to get rid of the idea of being a perfect mother because you can't do everything, right? Like my kids tonight, I don't even actually know what they ate for dinner. They probably had mac and cheese and hot dogs and it's that's totally <laughs> fine with me. And I'm also yeah. okay that like I'll probably walk into my house and it will be a mess. So you have to kind of like go of the idea of like perfectionism and motherhood too, I think. And sure. Yeah. And also like, what are your main, what things are you like going to have as like what you hold as your highest esteem? Cause you can't do everything, right. You can't feed them organic everything. You can't do all the things. And for me, it's like, I just want to raise kind humans. Like I want them to be nice kids. I don't, I mean, that seems super simple, but how can I create kids that are kind and are live, live, you know, full lives. So, mm-hmm. and for me, that's like being an example of that. So how can I be kind and bring them along in it? I guess. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. It feels silly talking about parenting and at parenting advice because it's like, I've, I have a four-year-old, right? He's my oldest. What do I know? Well, it's not, you know, that that's the whole, the whole gist of the, of the podcast here is it's just talking about parents' unique experiences. And I don't, I don't think having been a parent for a dozen years gives you any, you know, special insight because everyone's experiences are so unique and different and it's, um, and we can all learn from each other. I mean, that's the whole the whole point of why I love talking to different parents. Everyone has different, cool, unique perspectives um, that we can learn something yeah. from. So I like that. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that, frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. We talked a little bit about hobbies, but I know even before the show, and, and we touched on it before we started recording here, but we spent a little bit of time talking about working and what it's like to be a working mom. And you've said multiple times, like, I love my job. Mm -hmm. So talk about that a little bit. How do you balance that in there? Because I think that can be really, really difficult for women who work outside the home. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to let go of my idea that, um, 
that I could do it all. I tried initially with my first, like watching him while working and it just, it didn't work. And so I had, and even saying this out loud, but we have a nanny and we love her. Her name is Hannah. We call her Hannah Poppins because she's pretty much (laughs) Mary Poppins who keeps our life going. And if I'm being honest, I would have judged women who had nannies actually prior to having kids. Like, why don't you raise your own kids is sadly what I likely would have said, right? And I found that like, she's such a beautiful part of our household too. And like, we love her so much. And the more people to be a part of your kids' lives that your kids can learn from, um, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it took me a while to get to that place of being open enough to say like, yes, we, you know, this is how we, my husband and I make it work, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and I had to also make that, I guess, a priority. Like my career sometimes does come first in a sense because I travel for work and but I also know that my kids are safe and they are loved and they are taken care of um, by, mm-hmm. by Hannah, right? Um, but there's mm-hmm. still stuff in that that I'm constantly working through. Like sometimes they'll call me Hannah, right? Or they'll call her mom. And it's like, oh, am I, you know, I think as parents, we're constantly like evaluating, right? Like, is, mm. is this like what I want my life to look like? And I keep coming back to like what makes me personally a better mom and a better human. And for me, it's continuing um, in a job that I love and um, a job where I feel like I'm making a difference. And then I can go back into my life with my kids and feel like I can really enjoy just being a mom, if that makes sense. And so Mm -hmm. it feels like Mm -hmm. this really beautiful balance. Um, And yet, you know, I would be lying if I said I've like, fully worked through it. Right. Like, I don't know. Right. I hear these stories of moms that are with all their littles until they go off to school or all throughout. And I'm like, Oh, maybe am I missing out? I guess I'm always this person that wants to do all the things. Right. And like the one thing Mm -hmm. I have not done is I've not been a stay at home mom. That's not something I've, I've ever really experienced. And so am I missing out? I guess is always a question as I think moms that are home with their littles, question about a career right like it's this balance that we all have to walk through so I don't know if that answered your question but no it does and I think you know the when when people talk about how you can't you can't pour from an empty cup right and so what fills everyone's cup is going to be different Mm -hmm. and so for some women that is going to be a career you know, that's going to help fill their cup so that they can go home and and give their best selves and, um, you know, make sure that they're pouring into their family. So I, I think that's cool that you speak about that so boldly and that you're okay saying, Hey, my career is important to me. Uh, my kids are too, but my career is important to me. Um, I like that perspective. I also think it's important for women to be in the workplace, if I'm being honest. Like I loved seeing women that are in places of leadership. I think it's, I think it's just important. Right. And so I'm, it seems important to me. I'm like, I, I don't, I want to still be here. I want to have a seat at the table and be okay with also being a mom. Right. Like I can be a really great mother and I can also be a great CFO, for example, you know? So it just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just want that place at the table, I guess. 
I absolutely agree with you. The whole point that we're having this conversation is um, a reflection of, you know, where we're at in society and the expectations, how the expectations are different between men and women, Mm -hmm. because if it was two men talking about this, it wouldn't be like, how do you do it all, Maggie? You know, it would would be a very different conversation. Um, And until we stop earning 70 cents to the dollar, it'll still be a conversation, won't it? And it's tough as a woman. I think you have to fight for your seat. I feel that way. Like hyperemesis, I could have, it would have been easy to just be like, I can't do, I can't. But I I was like, no, I'm going to make my, I want to I want to do this, right? I want to still be here in this place. So yeah, it's tough. And it's, you're right. Like the gender roles, like it's still so there. I mean, Brad and I'll carry, you know, our newborn around and people come up to him all the time. You're such a great dad. And then I'll have like mm. the newborn and the two toddlers and people are like, Ugh, why are they so loud? It's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> or like, it's so true. It's just, and just people are like, you're, you work, you're still working. It's like, I, I am. Well, what is that? How how are you doing that as a mom? And like, there would be none of those questions for for men, right? It's just assumed, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You work. It's amazing how how different. And even I, I I'm I'm completely honest. I'm guilty of it. My, my husband and I were out for a walk the other day, and there was just a dad pushing a stroller with a baby in it. And I was like, I know this isn't right, but I. F- I look at that dad pushing a baby differently than I would a mom. I'm like, oh, wow, look at him. I know. <laughs> like he's doing something special. My biggest thing is dads aren't babysitters. It's like they're not babysitting the kids. They're their kids. Like, so. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's just being a parent. That's, that's just parent I think time. women also, we have a play a role in it too. Like we need to encourage women and moms to – pursue the life they want to live, whether that's at home or whether that's in the workplace. And Mm. I think there's sometimes is this team, like team stay at home mom versus team, you know, workouts at the home or what, whatever the terms are. Right. And Mm. we can actually all be a community who are always building each other up in those places. Like I just want women to have the opportunity to choose wherever they want to be. Right. And be Mm. valued for where they're at. I have, I, one of my best friends out here is stays home with her three kids who are all under four or four and under like mine. Like you have the toughest job girl out of all of us here. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I, I, and I think there was a, I had a, a woman on my podcast, um, last gosh it was last season I think and she had a a toddler and then had triplets and she was like you can imagine the comments that she got about oh you're gonna stay home from work right you're not going back to work you're not and she's like listen I that's my break like work Mm -hmm. is my my me time I I need work I I do not I love my children but I do not want to stay home with them and just because I had three of them, it's weird to make that assumption, yeah. right? Yeah. But again, a lot of it is a reflection of uh, fi- financial situations mm-hmm. that women tend to find themselves in because of, you know, generations of different earnings and and such. But you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I, I know. And I mean, just the cost of childcare—it's exactly it's so expensive. And finding the right people, and I think moms. Oftentimes we're the ones that just step up to the plate and say, my, like, I, 
I will raise my hand, I'll be home, you know, or whatever it is. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot that needs to be done in this, in this world for, for moms everywhere. Agreed. We could start with some maybe like um, general paid maternity leave. Oh yeah. That would be helpful. (laughs) Yeah. There's actually um, been a lot of studies done um, in different countries that have had required maternity and paternity leave. And what they found was that there's, I can't remember which, I think it's the Netherlands, but they require both men and women to take a year off um, and it's paid for by the government and it's required. And so um, what they found was that actually reduced the wage gap, um, like the gender wage gap substantially. Sure. Because I mean, as an employer, right. And like from the financial side of it, like women not being around for a year and especially when companies are the one that have to pay for it, that, that is, that's challenging, right? Like there's no way around it. It's tough. I mean, Mm -hmm. so I think when a country steps up and says, Hey, cross the board, you have a baby, you're off for a year. There's no way around it. That's just what it is. Um, I think it really starts to recognize like the importance one of parents and not just moms, but also the importance of dads. I think there's a reason we look at the dad pushing the stroller as being somehow this miraculous thing, because you don't see dads always doing that because they're not always encouraged to be like a f- active participant, right? It's like, oh, the mom, mm-hmm. the mom, the mom. Like, well, actually mm-hmm. dads are important too. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, Maggie, we could probably do like a whole nother podcast just talking about that, but um, I won't. Well, anytime won't. you you let me know. I get, <laughs> I get real passionate about women's rights. <laughs> I love and it. Maybe, maybe we will be doing <laughs> but, but yeah, that, this would be like a good um, round table discussion yeah. right like get a couple different women who who do different things work in the home out the, outside the home and and kind of get everyone together I like that idea yeah well Maggie I had a really nice time speaking with you and I feel like that was we kind of went around a lot of different paths and talked about a lot of different topics and probably each of those topics could have its own episode. So I I appreciate you bearing with me as we kind of navigated a lot of different um, conversations. And you're very well spoken. You're very interesting to listen to. And I know you're a very busy woman and mother and wife. So all of that being said, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Welcome. Thank you for having me on. And to all of the listeners, thank you for joining. I invite you to tune in again next week for another insightful conversation. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time.